Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Conservation and another great effort by Wisconsin producers. Well, that's our focus on Dairy Stream today. And it is pretty interesting when you talk about farmers across the state of Wisconsin and the positive impact they've been making on soil health and water quality as they've been involved in a growing number of farmer-led watershed conservation groups. We're happy to share the secrets of success from one of those groups. That's the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance based in Lafayette County, Wisconsin. And Today, we're joined by Dana Crystal. She's the conservation specialist for the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Jim Wynn from the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance. He's the president of the organization and also a dairy producer. And then joining us for the second half of the podcast will be Ryan Temperley. He's an agronomist with Ross Soil Service. But Jim, I want to start out with you and maybe you can tell us a little bit about the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance and really how it came about and why it was started. Yeah, Mike, I'd love to. Um, let's go back to like maybe about 2016, I think, late in the year. I was on the EDGE board at the time and uh, was privy to some information that uh, some other organizations that were starting in the state and uh, clean water was making headlines at that time. And I got a few of our farms that I was close friends with that uh, in our area that I thought, they, let, let's let's see if we can start something in our area that pertains to this. And it, it's a community effort. Everyone wants clean water. And uh, we're on the land, so we know the farmer is part of, um, you know, the problem and the solution, hopefully. So we just thought it was good to get, a, you know, a, a bunch of farmers together, like-minded farmers, and inform the general public of what we are doing. We've been doing good for many years, but not getting a lot of credit for it. But it, uh, I, we thought it was just a good thing to get everybody together and get everybody on the same page. So uh, actually in 2017, um, I think it started with about eight farmers and uh, it's grown up now to 28, I believe we're at today. And uh, it's it's been a wonderful ride. We've done some great things and uh, looking forward to the future. Well, certainly a tip of the hat to you for being there at the start and also for the other producers realizing the value of this alliance. And certainly uh, congratulations on what you have accomplished. As I said, uh, Dana Crystal also with us. She's the conservation specialist from DADCAP. And uh, Dana, let's talk a little bit about how DADCAP really supports farmer-led groups uh, like LASA. Yeah, you bet. So, DADCAP provides the financial, technical, and different educational resources to groups like LASA uh, throughout the state. So I would say that the agency has played an integral role in connecting groups to partners from other agencies, local units of government, um, nonprofit organizations, and then other ag industry or supply chain partners across the agricultural sector. So moreover, the, the, the program manager, Rachel Rushman, and others at DADCAP um, who've been working on this program, they've really done a good job also just keeping a pulse on the interests of farmers in, in these groups in terms of emerging trends in conservation and just new directions in soil health. 
and how those influence the directions that groups would like to take their projects. So we really tailor our programming, our education and, and program outreach to best support their efforts in a way that's going to help them test the practices and ideas that uh, groups are curious about and just overall um, help them influence their communities in ways they see as most impactful. And then most recently, DATCAP has uh, started this initiative to um, help track conservation impacts and benefits that the groups are providing to different natural resources um, across the state. And let's focus in on that, Dean. I know DADCAP played a real big role along with the uh, Nature Conservancy and UW-Madison in gathering data and analyzing that data. So let's jump right into the survey results that were recently uh, released. Uh, let's start with some basic information. First of all, how many acres does it represent and what kind of questions were actually asked? For the LASA group, this survey um, was administered to their 27 members, um, and that represents 47,000 acres. And they, I believe they got 24 responses from, from this survey. Um, along with the 47,000 acres, it represents um, 23,000 dairy, beef, and cattle livestock. And, um, you know, this group does a really good job trying to capture some of the extent of practices that are already being implemented. So it asks the farmers, you know, are you doing basic soil sampling or grid soil sampling? Um, what type of tillage are you using? Um, if you're using reduced tillage, what exact method are you using? Um, it gets into cover crops and different like manure handling methods and things like that. So Dana, when we get down to specifics, I mean, what type of practices actually were analyzed and can you share some of the results that you found? Sure thing. So when we look at um, the results from this analysis, really alongside with the survey, we also worked with um, the group themselves to identify what some common um, conservation systems might be within dairy, beef, grain, and swine operations. So we modeled like baseline, what you might call a baseline system for say a dairy operation or a baseline system for a grain operation that includes pretty conventional tillage, you might say, or conventional management. And then we kind of modeled these upgrades like conservation upgrades. So a dairy system with cover crops, a dairy system with no-till, a dairy system with strip till or vertical tillage. Um, so just getting into, you know, high level, um, some of those results. So some that we've pulled out here. So example for a dairy farm, um, a dairy farm that is implementing a rye cover crop after corn silage and say a, a traditional dairy rotation, they might experience something as much as a 35% reduction in soil erosion or a 35% reduction in phosphorus losses from the field. Um, another one I could highlight is with beef rotation. So with those farmers that are switching to using a strip tillage implement versus maybe some spring or fall chisel and disking, they might experience something up to 55% reduction of phosphorus um, from the field or a 65% reduction in soil erosion on their fields. So um, some pretty impressive numbers, noting that these are modeled um, and haven't been verified in the field. Well, those are impressive numbers and thank you for the insights on that. Obviously, you feel good about those numbers. Were you surprised by any of the numbers or the you know information you learned? 
Yeah, I think one thing that really surprised me when I was when I was looking over some of the um, cash grain system data. So something as I don't want to say simple because I know it's a it can be a very big transition for farmers. But in a traditional corn bean system in the soil types in this particular watershed, if a farmer were to transition from conventional tillage again, and by conventional I mean utilizing chisel disking and maybe some field cultivation. If they were to transition into a full no-till system, um, the modeled results indicate something as high as 80%, an 80% decrease in phosphorus loss or soil erosion. So those are pretty impressive numbers. But I think the other thing to point out too is that not all of these practices have resulted in Um, these reductions that we're looking for for all systems. So I noted some of the results regarding strip tillage in a beef system. You know, when we modeled strip tillage in a grain system, those results came very close to that same baseline condition with, with sort of full tillage. So just sort of pointing out that certain practices fit for certain systems and that's what makes um, agriculture so complicated um, and also just highlights the need to to look at it as a system and not just on this individual practice basis. Yeah, the key is the system. And again, we're getting some good insights from Dana Crystal. She is the conservation specialist for the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Also on hand for this segment is Jim Wynn, Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance president and also a dairy producer. And Jim, I want to get back to you because we know that producers are very busy. And I guess I want to know how uh, lots of members learn about new practices and is there any incentive to try new things? Well, that's a great question, Mike. Um, yeah, I, I guess number one, DACAP. I mean, they have been a wonderful resource for us, keeping us informed of new practices in our area and what other farmers in other areas of the state are doing. I get emails weekly from Rachel Rushman, Dana, uh, that really tell us uh, what's going on in the state, what's working, and uh, that that's very, very helpful to us. To us. Another group that has been um, super, super uh, beneficial for our group is TNC, the Nature Conservancy. And actually, just we've been with, they've helped us since our, uh, since our startup. This year, they actually uh, gave us an incentive uh, if we could sign up some uh, new farmers that they was going to give us some extra funds. And we did. We reached out to our farmers, and actually, we gained five new farms from that practice this year. So them them two groups alone has uh, has been very, very beneficial to our group. Another another kind of diamond in the rough in our area that uh, I kind of discovered, back in 2016, I was uh, invited to a uh, tour of uh, some farms in the UW-Platteville uh, by some uh, dignitaries here in Lafayette County. And when we stopped at UW-Platteville, I uh, was introduced to a gentleman by the name of Dr. Dennis Bush from UW Platteville, and I uh, got mm-hmm. to learn of all the things that he was going had going on at UW Platteville, as far as uh, soil sedimentation, you know, runoff, and just a lot of soil conservation needs that uh, our farmers were, you know, looking for. So I I thought when we get our group started, this is one a guy that we need to get involved, and in. he he is he is involved. He's an advisor for our group. The farm uh, UW Platteville farm is uh, one of our members. And they have been uh, 
very, very beneficial for us. Uh, we held a, one of our field days at their farm uh, back in 2019, I believe it was. And th- th- there's just been some really, really good coordination between DACAP, TNC, UW-Platteville, and actually UW-Madison here lately this fall. Now, uh, Dan Smith from uh, uw agronomy department uh, was at our field days and i think we're going to look into uh, working with them down the road here too and in closing too mike i'd also like to thank the dairy strong sustainability alliance that has super super beneficial to our group the folks at dba and edge and dssa we wouldn't be where we are without them they uh, help guide us they participate in our board meetings every month they keep us uh on the straight and narrow, and we uh, definitely would not be where we're at today without the Dairy Strong Sustainability Alliance. A lot of collaboration between a lot of uh, good folks. Well, certainly a great collaboration, and glad to see you're using various resources to help improve our natural resources, so a job well done. And Jim, uh, I pointed out you are the leader of LASA, but I think everybody knows, and Dana kind of brought this up, it's not an individual farm, it's more a system. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the progress you've made with your alliance and tell a little bit more about the people who really play other key roles besides yourself. We've got a unique group of guys that's farmers, guys and gals that are belong in our group. It all started kind of with, like I said, the four, core five or six guys that started this, um, that they're, they are on the board now. But we, we got farms of all sizes. We got dairy farms as small as uh, 150 cows with, and other dairy farms with uh, a, few thousand, a, a few thousand cows. So it, it varies. Grain farms, we got a few uh, producers that run a few hundred acres, and we got producers who run several thousand acres of uh, grain. Uh, Beef farms, and we got a swine operation. So it's quite a mixture of farms in our membership. uh, We have uh, conventional farmers that farm the conventional methods, plus we got a large uh, organic operation. So uh, we got kind of a broad spectrum of, of, of producers, and I think that really lends to the uniqueness of our group. Well, certainly diversity is the key to the success of Wisconsin agriculture, and it's good to hear how diverse the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance is and the positive things they've accomplished. Uh, we're going to be taking a break, but I do want to thank uh, Dana Crystal, again, the conservation specialist from the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Jim Wynn, he is the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance president and a dairy producer. And then joining our conversation after the break will be Ryan Temperley. He's the agronomist with Ross Soil Service. So again, I hope you've gotten a lot of insights so far, but more education and information yet to be shared as you listen to Dairy Stream. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. The Nature Conservancy is a global conservation organization dedicated to conserving the lands and waters on which all life depends. Guided by science, we create innovative, on-the-ground solutions to our world's toughest challenges so that nature and people can thrive together. In Wisconsin, we help farmers improve soil health and protect clean water while sustaining profitability. We also collaborate with communities, governments, businesses, and other nonprofits to protect Wisconsin's most outstanding natural areas, address climate changes and its impacts, and help make cities more sustainable. To learn more, visit nature.org backslash Wisconsin. 
Well, once again, welcome to Dairy Stream. It's brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. I'm your host, Mike Austin. And today we're talking about the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance, what they have accomplished, how it became reality, and who they've worked with, including DADCAP. And among our guests has been Dana Cristo. She's the conservation specialist from the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Jim Wynn, who is the president of the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance and also a dairy producer. And joining us uh, for the second half of our podcast is Ryan Temperley. He's an agronomist with Ross Soil Service. And Ryan, uh, thanks again for being here today. And I think when you talk about conservation efforts, uh, cover crops, strip tillage, and no-till seem to have the biggest impact on reducing phosphorus runoff and soil erosion. Uh, A lot of people, though, that are listening to Dairy Stream are not specifically involved with agriculture. So besides talking about the benefits, can you explain what each one of these practices really is? Absolutely. I guess first off, thanks for having me on the program. I appreciate uh, this is the first podcast I've ever been a part of. So, uh, Well, welcome. <laughs> thank you. I'm enjoying it. So, but getting into the definition of, of those things that you mentioned, um, you know, a cover crop is a crop or a mix of crops that a farmer will grow after they have taken their cash crop off of the field. And it can serve many different purposes, depending on what plants are going to be grown in that mix, whether they're grasses or legumes or broad leaves. Uh, they can help reduce soil erosion. They can help prevent nutrient loss. Uh, they can improve the, the health of the soil by stimulating the soil microbes. Um, they can also help with weed control, especially for organic farmers. A lot of organic farmers will use cover crops to help with weed control as well as conventional farmers. And ultimately, the goal of doing all of those things leads to improved soil health and yield in the future for, for that land. Strip tillage is basically the practice of removing the crop residue or or moving that residue off to the side. It's not being taken off the field, but there is a tillage operation that moves that residue out of the way in in a band. And that band is where the next crop is going to be planted. So what that does is it allows the soil in that band to dry out and warm up faster so that the, the next crop is planted into better conditions. So some folks will just remove that, that residue, but there's also some strip-till units that can apply fertilizer at the same time, whether that fertilizer is manure or whether it's commercial fertilizer. So strip-till leaves most of the residue in place in the field and just creates these bands where growers can improve the planting conditions right in the row where they're going to be planting the next crop. And then finally, no-till is simply you know coming into a field with a planter that's equipped to plant directly into the undisturbed residue that has been there from the previous crop. So there's no, no tillage being done. We're just coming in with the planter, and that planter has specific equipment that makes it capable of planting right into that field that's undisturbed. 
Orion, we could call you Mr. Webster because I think those are pretty good definitions. And thanks for being so thorough and I think letting the general public understand what we have been focusing in on for this podcast here on Dairy Stream. Now, obviously, we mentioned cover crops, strip tillage and no tillage because that's where it really was a big focus of the study. But there are other things that can be done to protect water quality. Uh, again, from your perspective, can you give an overview of some of the more commonly used techniques besides the three that you focused in on? Sure. With the LASA group and, and even a lot of my customers that aren't a part of the LASA group, soil sampling is a very common practice. It allows the producer and the agronomist to really know what we've got to work with in that soil, what the pH is, what the phosphorus potassium levels are. Um, we can also test for nitrogen and then a lot of other things. Um, and, and so we basically build our agronomy programs off of the soil sampling. That's part of the foundation. You know, if, if we're soil samples are showing that we're low in certain things, then it's going to make sense for us to invest in building certain things up. Um, and if the soil samples show that, you know, there's a lot of fertility already in the soil, then we really don't need to apply fertilizer, which, you know, is a savings for the producer and, and also helps us keep the nutrients in balance from a conservation standpoint. So that's a win for, you know, economically and, you know, for the environment. Um, nitrogen stabilizers are getting to be pretty standard as well. A nitrogen stabilizer is something that you you put on your nitrogen fertilizer to help keep it available to the plant, but reduce the risk of it being lost to the environment, whether that um, through denitrification and, and runoff in, in the soil profile and getting into the water, or whether that's from volatilization where nitrogen can actually be lost up into the air and into the atmosphere. So nitrogen stabilizers are becoming very common as well as a lot of producers are starting to apply nitrogen at multiple timings throughout the growing season. There are some efficiencies that, that can be had there. We can actually probably get away with applying a little less nitrogen in total while still maintaining or even increasing crop yields. So that's been a very popular practice that's gaining in our trade area. And then nutrient management plans, it's pretty standard. Almost all producers have nutrient management plans now because it's just another way for them to track what nutrients they're putting on their fields. And the, the program, you know, kind of gives guidelines of what, is, what are the best practices and ways to do that and certain things to, to avoid on certain fields that may be in close proximity to a water source or have a very steep slope. So those are three very common practices that we see in our area. Well, again, thanks for giving us some insight on that as he kind of highlighted some of the options and opportunities to protect both our soil and our water quality. The voice that you were listening to was Ryan Temperley. He's an agronomist with Ross Soil Service. And Jim Wynn is the president of the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance and also a dairy producer. And Jim, I know that you certainly practice what you preach and have implemented some of those practices that Ryan was talked about. But could you be more specific and talk a little bit about what you are doing on your farm and what you feel has been the most beneficial? Sure, I'd be happy to, Mike. I, I'm sure if you've ever been in Lafayette County on the eastern part of the county, you know the topography of our land down here. We, we got rolling hills. and uh, Yes, you do. <laughs> it, uh, 
it can cause some struggles for us, but uh, we've contoured strip for years. Try to get, you know, get away from it there for a little bit, just, you know, with the simple reason, uh, you know, this big machinery is getting harder and harder to get around these contoured strips. But after a year of, uh, you know, you know getting uh, taken out some strips, we could see that that was not the way to go. So with everything we uh, operate is a contoured strip. But uh, I think our biggest advantage, um, being dairy farmers and, uh, you know, we got 1,200 acres of corn. Out of that 1,200 acres, 1,000 of it we chop. So uh, come late August, early September, our fields are bare. So we've been cover crop farming for oh, close to 20 years now. And that's provided the biggest benefit, I think, to our farm is the cover crops. It, it's been a struggle here the last couple of years. It was a, it was really a pain trying to get a cover crop established with the weather uh, conditions we were having this year. Was uh, it was just glorious to see the cover crops that grew in our area. And I think that's one of the things that our group has really been uh, beneficial to Lafayette County. Pre-Lassa, you didn't see that much cover crops in Lafayette County. Uh, other than us and a few other guys that uh, were chopping a lot of corn silage. Now, boy, it's just, it just amazes me how many acres of cover crops is planted in Lafayette County just in the last two to three years. It, uh, I take great pride in that, and I think Lassa was a huge part of that. Well, I would concur, and yeah, just nice to drive anywhere in the state, and something you never saw before is now being used by producers throughout Wisconsin, and uh, I'm glad in your area, you know, you are getting more producers involved, and I think you certainly are right that Lassa's played such a big role in that, but there are challenges, Ryan, when it comes to getting producers to try these new practices. From your perspective, what are those challenges, and how do you kind of advise producers to overcome them? Good question. There's a few major challenges, you know, that we typically run into. You know, the biggest one is some of these practices that producers want to try. You know, there's a decent amount of cost with it, and margins haven't been real big the last few years, and that's where, you know, folks like the Nature Conservancy and DATCAP, where there's some funds available that help offset some of that cost and allow members to to try these new practices has been extremely helpful. Um, We're really learning a lot. And another big challenge that Jim kind of hit on as well has been the weather. You know, the last couple of years, we, I felt like, have tried to do everything right to get cover crops out there and get them established. And, you know, it just didn't work out as well as we'd like to in 2018 and 2019, just because the weather didn't allow it. But you know, as he said, this year was a, a huge home run. You know, everybody, there's thousands of acres of cover crops out there that are well established and look great. But as everybody in agriculture knows, the weather doesn't always cooperate. And, and so that's another challenge. We are talking about the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance and some of the things they've been doing when it comes to improving our soil and water conservation in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, Dana Crystal is among the guests. She is a conservation specialist from the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. And Dana, I want to get you back in the conversation. Uh, we just had Ryan mention about the facts that you know they can producers or their organizations can turn to DADCAP for not only expertise but some funds if there is a group out there that's looking to form or a group that may need some assistance. Can you tell us what's the best way to, again, contact DADCAP and and the role that you are seeing yourself playing? Certainly, Mike. So 
DATCAP has a history of and continues to be dedicated to assisting groups of farmers in their work planning and group development process, regardless of where or which stage they're at in their formation. So whether they're, you know, just loosely formed and have a, a loose idea of where they'd like to go or if they're already existing. So you know, through those processes, um, we get a better idea of what they're motivated to focus on within their watersheds. And so then we can help foster those connections to the right partners to, to help them achieve their goals. So this not only helps us grow our program, but it truly helps grow conservation across the state of Wisconsin. So any group of farmers who are interested in either forming a group or need assistance should never hesitate to reach out to either myself or Rachel Rushman over the phone or email, um, which is those contact information details are all listed on our website. Okay, well, thank you for that. We appreciate that. And going to wrap things up with both uh, Jim and Ryan. And uh, Jim, maybe can start this answer, but Ryan, I like your input as well. And that basically is just some advice you might have for farmers looking to get involved in a farmer-led watershed conservation group and you know, trying to get more people interested in new practices. Jim, what would your advice to them be? When we started our group, like I said, I, we had the benefit of having a couple other groups started shortly prior before us. So, uh, you know, I, I leaned on them guys big time. They were a huge help to us. And since we uh, got our group started, we uh, was contacted by some folks, uh, good folks up in Grant County. We uh, actually went up there a couple times and helped them start uh, their group. So I think this collaboration between farmers is, is the main goal to uh, get everybody on the same page. And uh, so that's where the best ideas come from. So I think just talking with other farmers in the area that uh, are like-minded, the way you operate is a, is a huge asset. And Ryan, what would you like to add? I'll just echo a little bit what Jim said, but uh, also farming isn't a one-size-fits-all occupation. We all know that. As Jim mentioned earlier, you know, we have a very diverse group, and I think that's one of our strengths. But a common theme in the group, I think, is everybody has a kind of an open-minded willingness to learn, and I really enjoy that in talking with, you know, the members of the group. We all have, you know, different individual operations, but we all share a common goal of trying to improve what we're doing, both conservation-wise as well as trying to help one another be more successful in our businesses. So I've really enjoyed being a part of LASA and hope to continue that. Well, thank you both, and also, uh, Dana, for your insights and assistance through DADCAP. Uh, We will close off today's Dairy Stream with one final question for you, Jim, and that is you organized it back in 2016. I know you're hoping to have uh, many more years and decades of success. So what are your future plans for LASA? Well, I think it can be summed up in two words, continuous improvement. We want to get better. We want to empower, like I mentioned before, empower our members to improve their farming practices, and we would like to increase members. I know Dana mentioned earlier in the, in the conversation about no-till, and the numbers would be much greater, you know, if there were no-till. And I think that's one of the things that we really got to look at down, uh, down the road and in the future. One of the things that our, uh, our farm struggles with is, you know, as I mentioned, we're a dairy farm, and then trying to get 15,000 gallons of manure out on ground and then trying to no-till that really 
really causes some issues. So I think we got to center our our area of expertise around manure injection and how we can get better at uh, no-till farming and get more to no-till acres in Lafayette County. You know, all the numbers that are reflected here, that's just a fraction of all the ground that's covered in Lafayette County. So we need to reach out and get more farmers involved and I uh, hope Lassa can uh, keep growing every year. Like I said, just this fall, we picked up five new members and uh, I think people are really starting to see the benefits of our group. So uh, in- increasing numbers is, is uh, of great value to our group. Well, I've always stressed that I felt agriculture is a great story to tell, and the best storytellers are producers themselves, and you've done an excellent job today, Jim. Jim is the president of the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance and also a dairy producer in Lafayette County. Ryan Temperley is an agronomist at Ross Soil Service, also sharing some good insights and education on what conservation practices are available and how beneficial they are. And also want to thank Dana Crystal. She's a conservation specialist talking about the role of the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection in helping with expertise and funding and keeping people informed of all the positives that are occurring because of the two words that uh, Jim said, and that is uh, continuous improvement when it comes to our water and soil quality here in the state of Wisconsin. Certainly uh, has been fun today. We've had three quality guests. I do again want to encourage you to join us in the future for Dairy Stream. And if you have a topic that you think is important that others should hear about, please let us know. Again, on behalf of our quality producer, uh, that is uh, Joanna and I, your host, Mike Austin. Have yourself a great day and thanks for listening to Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com.